0: all right hey guys thanks for joining us today on another episode of urban connect podcast man i'm excited about today's episode we've got a special guest jordan francis um he is a man of many talents he's got his hands in a lot of different uh things going on in in uh in the city here and so we're excited to have him join us here i'm here with my amazing co-host Stephen Frankie and uh, so we're just gonna dive into today's episode. Jordan, thanks for joining us man. Uh, why don't you just start off by just telling us a little bit about you, how you got here, what you do
1: all its time stuff.
0: you got man <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: grateful to be here. My name is Jordan originally from England, Birmingham, England moved out to Texas in 2008 became a Christian in 2010, my sophomore year in college. Pretty radical conversion experience. Felt the call to ministry a few months later. Um, got involved in a college ministry in East Texas, the one that I actually became a believer in. Ended up taking it over a couple years later. So I'm a 22-year-old kid running a college ministry with 200 students in it, half of them are friends, and they're like, "We're not. I'm not listening to you. <laughs> so that was an interesting experience. Ended up leaving there, getting married, went to Oklahoma for a little bit, then then moved out here in Phoenix, 2016, to church plant and uh, didn't go the way we wanted it to. Uh, But in the midst of that, we started Real Talk, um, which basically has been like just this huge experiment. Uh, Originally, it was a college ministry, then it became a high school, like going into public high school ministry. And so just seeing incredible things happen, seeing God do incredible things through conversation and dialogue. And so now we're just kind of like exploring the, the next phases of that, what that looks like, what the future holds, how we can influence more people um, and how we can do the most good. So yeah, awesome,
0: awesome man. That was a short introduction. I gave you that ten thousand foot <laughs> version, man. All right, it's probably cool. done it
2: five hundred and fifty times. So yeah, you know for sure. uh So I have the first question, Jordan. um I met you a couple years back through Bob Dunn uh, when I was working. When I I'm still working at Grand Canyon University, Uh, but a group of guys, uh, a lot of them youth pastors at some of the larger churches in the Valley. Um, I'd really like to know like that group, that group of guys, like how hard coordinate are you guys together and how do you do life together?
1: Yeah, I would say, honestly, for some of those, some of those guys, I'm still really close to others, not so much. And that may be because they transitioned. Uh, to other jobs, other roles, other churches, or maybe they're not even doing ministry at all right now, um, which is a, a reality. Um, and so, yeah, a couple of those guys I've connected with real well, and it it really is a lot of texts, a lot of, you know, impromptu meetings, conversations, dialogues. And so we're kind of just really sharing information back and forth, back and forth, doing reconnaissance. So they might be experiencing something where they're at. I might be experiencing something where I'm at or maybe we're working in relationship in a particular area, area together. And so we're just basically bringing our heads together and trying to figure out how we can reach this next generation as best as possible. Um, I don't think we've seen anything like Gen Z before and the generation that's coming after him ooh, is, ooh. yeah, even ooh. more interested in them because they're like the full blown version, right? Of what <laughs> Gen Z is. Gen Z like kind of kind of had this like brief moment where they didn't have technology and or at least the older ones. And so with the this new group that's coming up, they've just been completely a must in it. So um yeah, man, just trying to figure out what does it look like to to reach kids? What does it look like to love kids? What does it look like to share the gospel with kids in the digital age and then doing that in relationship with guys that are in the local church context, right? Cuz it's it's one thing to be doing it in a school like You know, I'm saying engaging with kids who are primarily not Christians and having those dialogues and conversations. And it's another thing to be in the church space with parents and pastors and your own expectations, the church's expectations, the kids' expectations, the parents' expectations, all those different challenges. And so uh, doing life with them looks like me really just investing anything I can when I can and then vice versa. And then obviously knowing them on a personal level, like knowing what's going on in their lives. Cause I, I think youth ministry can be extremely lonely as well, right? And so um, he, there's not a lot of places you can feel like you can speak up at times cause you feel like it might cost you something, cost your relationship, could cost you a job. Somebody could say something about something that you said. Um, and then I also think that, you know, if a, if a church is struggling, a <laughs> youth ministry can be one of the first <laughs> things that goes, right? Mm-hmm.
0: So. Cool. Cool. Well, I know, um, Jordan, you and I have had the opportunity to connect in, in different spaces over the past couple of years. And, and originally was was with Real Talk. And so would love to just kind of dive in a little bit more and and give us a few more details of what Real Talk looks like. Because because I've had the opportunity to see you guys, some of your team run that program um, on a local high school here. And yeah. Um, so, yeah.
1: For sure. Um, here's an example or story. I was at campus um, in the south side of town, having a conversation with students, and we like to open up new campuses with something called What's Your Story? And so our campus groups are all anchored in conversation, anchored in dialogue, creating safe space for students to engage. So in this one, we like to start off just by connecting. Students don't know us. We don't know them. So it's like, hey, man. We want some of these students. Who wants to win a Dutch Bros gift card? Kids are always like, yeah, man, let me get let me get that Dutch Bros gift card. Or Starbucks, whatever's close by, right? <laughs> right. Who wants coffee? Who wants McDonald's? Whatever. They all want it. And, I mean, shoot, I'll take a free gift card too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, and so these kids come to the front. All right, tell a happy story from your life. Whoever tells the funniest one wins, right? So you're building connection, building a relationship in the, in the room. Everybody's laughing. Everybody's enjoying each other. Uh, and then you flip the script a little bit. All right, who wants to win a gift card this time? Students come up, all right, tell me the saddest story from your life. So uh, it went like this, there was the first kid got up. He's like, hey, my grandfather had a seizure in a car during a storm and he died. My grandmother was unable to save him and they got like flooded in and that's why they couldn't do anything. So pretty tragic, right? Everybody in the room room's like, dang, that's crazy. And then the next girl's like, well, my brother just recently committed suicide. Wow. And so you're thinking, okay, That's worse. It can't get any worse than that, right? Next girl, hey, my dad attempted a murder-suicide. So he shot my mom, shot himself. He died, but she survived. Wow. And so now we're in this space in this room where these kids are experiencing the weight of absolute tragedy, pain, suffering, sorrow, grief, right? And then they all begin to share. Kids are sharing about, you know, times that um, mom's boyfriend threw them in the pool uh, or mom's boyfriend put cigarettes out on him or different things of that nature. And so now we get to ask the question, well, how do you make sense of a life that has extreme moments of joy and then extreme moments of grief and sorrow? And so, you know, they give you their answers. And then for us, it's like, well, this, the gospel story to us is the story that makes sense of that joy and that sorrow, that pain, that suffering, and the reality of what is and what has been, and then what is to come. Hmm. And so, um, that's kind of what we do on campus, man. We create these safe spaces for kids to share and be open and be honest. They don't, what we found is that they don't necessarily have those spaces a lot in this day and age, or they don't at least feel as if they do. And I think part of that too is because of our inability to understand and connect with them on a wavelength that they comprehend. It's like, we want them to do the work instead of us doing the work. You know what I'm saying? But then we call ourselves the leaders, which is just stupid. Um, and so that's what we're aiming to do, engage with this generation, understand them, love them, care for them right where they're at. And then take what we're learning and bring it to people who are engaging them, too, so that they can have those deep, meaningful relationships with these kids, because that's what they care about. They don't really yeah. care about what you have to say. They can go on their phone and hear about the information that you're sharing with them way better than you can say it. Or they can hear the opposing view way better than you can articulate the view that you want to articulate. And then they can come back and crush you with the opposing view. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah. Uh, knowledge isn't necessarily what we have to offer them i think it's wisdom experience love care so on and so forth and so that's what we're trying to do
0: wow that's cool
2: yeah it's funny because last night caleb and i we went for a walk and we were talking about our kids and and obviously even kids within the teens that are working or that are here at aim right And specifically talking about how, do you remember when we were kids and we would go to the mall, like we would be dying to get out of the house just to go to the mall or to go shopping or something like that. And this like Generation Z, like you're talking about, even this next generation, they don't want to do that, you know, or there's Amazon, there's easier ways, I guess, to get stuff, but there's not this, you know, this will to get out. And as you were talking about, you know, loving them and caring for them. It's the same for our generation, but how are things different now in that care? Like, how do you actually reach these kids knowing that the dynamics are completely different? How they entertain themselves is different. How they actually get out into public and interact with other kids its completely different. Not just because of COVID, but period. It's just different. Like, how are you finding ways to get through to these kids? Is it through those stories, like getting into their life and their testimonies, or are there other ways that you're going about it?
1: I think it's just showing them respect. Yeah. Nobody respects them. They just think that they're stupid. And I actually believe that this generation is going to jack the world up. Yeah, Like I really believe it. Yeah. They're already doing it. They're the generation that sends a tweet, 100,000 people share it, and then they walk out of schools. Who's done that before? <laughs> yeah. Nobody. Yeah. Right. Nobody. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It reminds me of the proverb that says the ant, right, it has no leader. And yeah, it marches right in a certain direction. That's what they do. And so like they just have a completely different way of communicating. And like if you don't get it, they think you're dumb. Like bottom line, because you think they're dumb. And so I was was teaching a uh, student government class at a local high school a couple weeks ago. Uh, One of my friends invited me in. It was really cool. And so I got to talk about the leadership principles of empathy, vulnerability, and presence. And I just kind of walked through them and I'm, ta- and I'm talking about empathy for self and then empathy for others and how those things connect with each other and then presence and so on and so forth. And I said, look, I actually believe you guys are going to change the world. I really do. I don't think it's a question of whether you're going to. I think it's a question of what you're going to build
2: yeah.
1: after you tear everything down. And so I'm like, okay, how do we set these kids up to build meaningful, more powerful, profound things for the betterment of society than what we did, because let's just be honest, man. Let's just be real. Like we've built some really crappy systems. Yeah, we've built mm-hmm. some things that have really hurt people systemically, historically, like whatever. You know what I'm saying? However you want to put it. When you look at our nation's history, like there's some black eyes there, some real black eyes. Yeah. yeah. And so they see all that. They know all that. They understand that. They see that their textbooks are white, whitewashed. They see that they're not being told the truth consistently. Uh, and then that lets them go and trust other sources even more, which isn't helpful. And so I think, yeah, when we're engaging with them, if we can show them respect, the response that I got after that, after I shared those things with them was like, what do we need to do to be better?" Hmm. They were asking me those hmm. questions. I wasn't expecting that, but huh. what do we need to do to be bad? What do you see the weaknesses of our generation? How can we improve? How can we do really do the things that you're talking about? I said, you guys aren't social. You don't have to interact with people. And, and if you want to interact with people, particularly people who have money, power, and resources in a way that means they're going to share it with you, then you've got to learn how to be social. So you guys have got to learn how to be able to shake somebody's hand and look them in the eye. you got to be able to learn to hold a conversation that lasts more than 30 seconds. Mm. And so um, they want those things, but they want those things from people that they trust. And they simply just don't trust us. And to be honest, it's because we've proven ourselves untrustworthy. Yeah. yeah. But we put it on them. They're the children We're the adults but we put it on the
0: kids hmm. don't make any sense yeah yeah Wow that's I mean you see you see a kid's uh, a young person's face light up when when you tell them those things right when you say I see you I believe in you I respect you and I, I know you're gonna do great things because because for so much of their life they've just they've kind of been, push to the side, and and, um, as parents, parents is something Steve and I were again talking about last night, was like parents have done a really good job of just saying, hey, why don't you just go to your room Mm -hmm. and sit in front of your, with your Xbox, your phone, whatever it may be, and just entertain yourself because I don't have time for you and your nonsense, right? I, as a parent, I find myself doing that and saying, I don't want to put up with your crap right now, so go to your room right yeah. and and well then they go into those spaces and and wherever it is they go into that space and they begin to connect with their peers and and I that was kind of not one of the first times I've heard this but just when the way you put it of them not having the social skills to interact and what a great opportunity somebody like you and and us here have this great opportunity to instill these what are simple things right mm-hmm. how to how to do or have good eye contact and shake somebody's hand nice and firm not weak not too strong but like how do you just simply interact I bet most people would have not even thought that that was something that this generation lacks
1: yeah it's I think it's because we have a very narrow view of like even the idea of mentorship and in particularly in the Christian faith discipleship like we just think it's this let me talk to you about Jesus. And as long as you've got the golden ticket and you're good and I'll see you in heaven, you know what I mean? Go figure it out until then. And it's not this robust view of God's redemptive work in the world and then us like helping that be pushed forward in every area of all people's lives, right? Emotionally, Mm -hmm. spiritually, physically, mentally. We just think about it in terms of get this down, AB equals C, you're good to go. And the thing that's funny about that, and I'm realizing this more and more now, and it's something I'm really chewing on, Gen Z is not into binaries at all. They protest them. That's why everybody's, we're freaking out about sexuality stuff, and we're not even realizing what it's actually about to protest of the norms that we've put on them that they don't want to be identified by. Mm -hmm. And you know why? Because they've seen our marriages. They've seen our relationships. Mm -hmm. They've seen how that stuff's worked out for us. And they're like, no, thank you. (laughs) I'll take something else. Yeah. And so Mm. like we uh i saw a quote on facebook the other day it said um we wonder why this generation doesn't want to go to church when their parents committed every sunday to an institution that created no spiritual transformation in the home Mm. wow so these kids go (laughs) see their parents go to this building and worship the sky every week and then they come home and they're no different they do the same things they drink the same way they watched porn the same way. They cheer on each other the same way. They cuss each other out the same way. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not yeah. saying you're not going to have those struggles and have those battles. That's not, like, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to do wrong things. But they have not seen this faith that you say is so important, transform your life whatsoever. Hmm. Then you wow. want them to believe in it? Don't make no sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, it's,
1: and it's, not even like, it's not even like we invite them into that journey. So it's not like we say, hey... I'm trying to figure this out too, which I actually think is the appropriate way to do it. And I'm not saying that doesn't mean you don't have boundaries as like, hey, I'm your parent. But like, hey, I'm figuring this thing out too. I've like, this is every day is new for me. The Mm -hmm. same way it's new for you. I'm just further along down the line. Let's journey together. Let me help you figure this thing out. And guess what? Maybe you can help me figure some stuff out. But that's really scary for parents to say. Yeah. Because we live in a society that says, hey, there has to be um, hierarchical norms, right? It's the way we work. So if you're a parent, you have to tell your kid what to do. And actually, if you don't tell your kid what to do and they do the wrong thing, it's a reflection on your own righteousness. That's why parents <laughs> freak out, because it's like, if my kid's bad, it means I'm a bad parent. And all my friends are going to look at me funny and right. be like, oh, maybe they're not Christians and they're going to be talking. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's so what we're into is behavior modification. Just make sure your kid acts right. But in, in their heart, they hate you and they hate everything you represent. <laughs> and then we wonder why they're doing the things that they're doing. It's not rocket science, you know what I'm saying? But like what it takes is for us to look ourselves in the face and see what's wrong with us. And then what it also takes is for us to live a different kind of way, empathy, vulnerability, presence, right? Yeah. We have to begin to live that way. But in order to do that, we have to recognize that once again, this whole binary thing, everything's black and white. It's really not. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you can't have faith. And that doesn't mean your faith can't be reasonable, but it means that the way that you look at the world gets a little bit different. yeah. And I think you have a little bit more grace and compassion for the people around you when you live that way. Cause when everything's so cut and dry, black and white, you're like, well, why everybody can't think about this thing the same way I do? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But when you realize it's not that way and it's not that simple, you're a little bit more patient with people.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I I mean, just kind of speaking on that, i that's the space I grew up in. You know, it was either here or here. It was either right or wrong and, and really living Living in this city, living in this community, working with this group of young people and, and where God has called us here, like has opened our eyes for my wife and I to have multiple conversations over the past 12, 13 years here of man, we look at things through a completely different lens than we did yep. even five years ago, even you know, five, 10 years 100%. ago. And and when when you sit down with a young person. And can talk through these things, and you approach it in a way where you you see their perspective, or you see and 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 kind of meet them where they're thinking, and 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 journey through that together. Then that's when am I right? That's when that transformation. That's when you begin to have that opportunity to influence their life, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, think about it this way: because you mentioned this earlier, the whole idea of them being
1: digital natives, like they love that space. Well, they can't control the world that they live in, but Mm -hmm. they can control the world that they create in the digital world. So why wouldn't they want to live there? You know what they're practicing for? The world they're going to create when they grow up. Mm. That's the place where they get to imagine. That's the place where they get to really express who they are. Like I've sat with kids before and gone through their Minecraft worlds. Why? Because it tells me who they are. It tells me stuff about them. That they'll probably never verbalize. They may not even really process through themselves. Like, hey man, why did you put that there? Why is that trapdoor there? Why is that picture there? Why is why is the narrative of your world this? Why does it work this way? I'm getting insight into their soul, mm-hmm. but we don't <laughs> want to do that. But and, and that's the thing, right? Like, if if you're a Christian, you hold to this idea of the incarnation, which I don't think we hold to enough. Like what does God do? Step down off his throne and enter into existence. Yeah. So we should be incarnational towards teenagers. We should enter into their world. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus does. And he doesn't enter into their world as fully going God, telling them what to do and striking everybody down. He enters in as a baby that's vulnerable and needs to be clothed and fed and, and developed and helped. Right. And he grows into what he becomes. Yeah. And so in the same way, I think we need to the end of their world, man.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I
2: um. This has been over several conversations with a lot of pastors around the valley. That was a big part of my job before, and I would ask them, you know, how's church going? And they're like, man, we really need to get more young people, like especially twenty somethings. You know, that they they see that their their congregation's growing older, whatever it is. We need to get uh, younger people. And I was, I I would ask them about that. And they would say the biggest issue we have, especially with millennials in these upcoming generations is they don't have deep roots. Like they just pick up, they'll just one day, maybe it's two years down the road, they'll be like, yeah, we're going to a different church. And it's like, they're not offended by anything in the message. They're not hurt by someone. It's just like, Hey, no big deal. Just leaving. And like pastors have had such a hard time with remedying that situation, like figuring it out. And as you were talking about, especially some of these kids are going to school, they're seeing their parents worship the sky, you know, or they're just like, okay, I I don't see any like tangible evidence of this relationship that you're talking about that you have walking with Jesus. You say you look like Jesus. I don't see that. Like just knowing that with some of these young people that that are up and coming, getting older, what would you say to pastors like to actually reach them? you know, how do you get them to where, or is that just a a bygone thing where it's, Hey, if you're looking at retention, maybe that's just not a thing anymore. You're not going to have these generation Xers that'll just be there through the thick and thin, even when there's infidelity at the pulpit, they still stick with it because that's how they grew up. Like, what do you tell to those pastors?
1: Yeah. Evolve. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things. So there's, there's 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 a couple of worlds at play here right because you have the christian world which is hey i grew up in church um and you know i've always gone to church and then you know for them it might be that they're getting out into college and exploring you know where they want to be or where they want to position themselves and then there's also the the consumeristic side of it which is like hey the end of the day, like I'm looking for a particular thing. I want worship to look this way. I want the message to look this way. You know what I'm saying? And as that church changes and evolves, perhaps it evolves into something that they don't like. And so they go somewhere else. Um, Or perhaps, you know, they're just not being super confrontational about it. And they just don't want to tell you that they think your church is trash. I don't know. It's possible. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, I think that to me right now, the primary thing that I feel is missing is discipleship emotionally and what I mean by that is I think the way that we talk about sin is not helpful and I think the reason for that is this we we say okay sins bad don't do it yeah duh. (laughs) if I could stop I would (laughs) because if I actually like I actually love God and actually don't want to do that but I still do it yeah it's actually like Every Christian still doesn't. And if you don't think you do, then you're a liar. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think what happens is people get into these three lanes, and I'm still kind of like chewing on this. I think they disassociate, which is what happened to me. So I, and then, you know, purity culture, that's a whole thing right now, Mm -hmm. particularly with millennials. But I got saved. And, you know, before that, I was your typical pagan man, college athlete, you know, uh, played on a national championship team. And so, If I wanted to have sex, I could. Do you know what I'm saying? That's what I did. That's what I spent my time doing. Mm -hmm. For me, it was all about how many girls can you get? You know what I'm saying? And so become a believer, have this radical transformation by the spirit. And now I'm like, I can never have sex again. But instead of me walking through a mature discipleship process to help me understand what it is that my soul was craving for, that I would go in that direction consistently to find it, I just shut it down. Right. Mm. And so now I'm a married man seven years in with three kids, and I'm having to work through all types of stuff that I never worked through when I was a young man. And I think this is also why a lot of millennials are getting divorces yeah. because they were sold a bill of goods by the church to the trash. Like, you're going to get, like, hey, just hold out till you get married and everything will be all good. It's just not true. Hold out till you get married and you can have great sex. Uh, just not true. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And so um, I think some of that stuff, is the reason why things are the way they are with young people, you know what I'm saying? And so I think you've got that whole thing inside the church. So I disassociated. Then you've got guilt and shame. Um, So guilt, I think what happens is people just live double lives. Like I wanna be a part of the church, but then I also wanna go do dirt. So I'm just gonna do both, which we're finding out more and more, a lot of people are doing because they're they're, they're not really sure of how to deal with their sin or then their shame, which is, hey, I have to stop sinning. I can't stop sinning because I can't stop doing this thing. So I guess God doesn't love me. Then they give up, right? They give up mm-hmm. on their faith. And it's cause we haven't helped people work through like, what is it on the inside of me? Like, what is it that I need? Is it loneliness? Is it trauma, guilt, fear, whatever it is, th- the the things that have happened, right? The things that are parts of my story that are untold or maybe even unknown by me because my brain's locked them away. Um, they haven't had the space to process and work through those things. And the church isn't necessarily a safe place to say crazy stuff sometimes. Mm. And that's why we created the space that we created because there needs to be space for that. And I think mm. the church should be that space, honestly. I think yeah. we should be able to talk about nutso stuff. And I think we, we have to, because that's where real transformation is gonna happen. Um, and so I think people end up locking that stuff away. I think emotions, unless you're in a certain context, right? Isn't really something that's even labeled as something you should really be engaging in like you should just have self-control right so you're not supposed to be over emotional you're not supposed to do this you're not supposed to do that and i think as a consequence people for a really long time try really hard right and then you get to this point where you just realize like it's been the same for me like you get saved you read the scriptures and you're like man i'm doing it and then the longer you're a christian you're like i'm not doing it Hmm. why do i not look like this yet yeah right And that's where people begin to get discouraged. And I think it's because they are trying to do the spirit's work in the flesh because it's all about their effort to be controlled. It's all about their effort not to do that thing. It's all about all the things they can cut off and all these ways that they can figure out ways to stop themselves from doing things. And I'm not saying those things aren't good, but what I am saying fundamentally is that Philippians said it best as you receive Christ Jesus. So walk in him. Right. Mm I don't know about you, but he came and found me.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Right. And like, I realized like, yo, I, I can't do this thing by myself. And so for me now to think, all right, Jesus, I got it. (laughs) And that may not necessarily be what we're thinking, but that's most certainly how we're living out and embodying our faith. And I think we almost pressure and teach people to do that implicitly. Right. And so I think, um, that's part of the reason why we're seeing some of the stuff that we're seeing. And so I think we just got to do a better job of really helping people process through what's going on in the inside of them, figuring out the why of why they do the things that they do and just not like, hey, stop doing that. But why do you do it? You like watching porn? Okay, what like what porn do you like to watch? Yeah. Because now <laughs> we can figure out like what it is you're watching and why you like that. Yeah. What is it filling in your soul? Hmm. Because that's where God needs to meet you. Hmm. But we won't ask those questions because they're to boot. Mm-hmm. We yeah. won't tell a dude to think about like I'm going to tell this dude to think about the stuff that he's been watching. That it, it seems sounds counterintuitive. Like I'm inviting this dude to sin. No, I'm inviting this dude to overcome his sin yeah. by staring it in the face and discovering what it is that's going on the inside of him. That's leading him in that direction in the first place.
0: Mm. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's, and I mean, you're absolutely right. Those types of conversations aren't happening and, and, um, I actually, I grew up in, or didn't grow up in this church, but it uh, was a part of a church where, like, we had, um, this, is, this is unheard of in churches anymore, right? But we had sharing time, right? Like, we had a, this opportunity, and, you know, some people were super vulnerable in those moments and opened up with real things that they were dealing with, and there was, that was healthy, right? Mm-hmm. There was, man, I would look forward to times and and we were going to this church prior to, to moving here several years ago. And, and I remember like standing in front of this car con- or standing in my seat in this congregation and, and sharing with 70, a hundred other people, I'm scared to death about this next step that we're about to take. And I need y'all to pray for, for me and for us. And, and, you know, you had other people that would stand up and say, Hey, I'm struggling with porn, right? Like, People aren't doing that anymore. There's no outlet to come and and share those struggles and and like you said, they're just being swept up under the rug, right? And and overlooked to only to deal with years down the road.
1: Yeah. Confession is a lost art. Yeah. We have lost the ability to confess. And it is an essential part of what it means to be a church, in my opinion. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. You know, if you look at liturgies, right, and how churches, like there was time for confession. There was time for, you know, maybe there was a prayer where you communally, you know, like communally, everybody prayed this prayer. And at that point, there was like this release of the things that you had been struggling with, the sin, right? But like those were important rhythms and practices in the Christian life, man. And we've just, we've lost them. Hmm. We've just completely
2: lost them. Just the thought of fearing God—it's gone away. We fear man, we fear others, we fear our identity and appearance, and all those things we place before what we know would actually release us of that sin, which is exposing the darkness, bringing it to light. Yep. Trusting in, in a brother or a sister that if you share it with them, they're not going to go and tell fifteen people. Sure. You know, and if they do, well, you don't fear that anymore. You fear <laughs> God over that. Yeah, which is amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah,
1: but I mean the stakes are higher in this day and age right like everybody's talking about cancel culture right now mm-hmm. even though right. we started it but that's another story in itself we've been <laughs> canceling people for forever yeah. hey don't watch this tv show hey don't watch this movie hey your kid can't do this your kid can't do that blah 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 yeah so we started it but then we're all mad yeah about uh how people are responding so yeah it's kind of weird but whatevs uh and so yeah there is there is more to lose now right like if you if you go out there and you say something or, you know, people find out about it. I mean, it could damage your reputation. People could look at you a certain type of way. But once again, yeah. like, who do you fear? You know what I mean? Do you fear God or do you fear man? Yeah. So I get that the stakes are higher, um,
0: but it just kind of is what it is. In yeah. yeah. And the reality is, is in that moment, if, if our faith and our trust is in God, right? Like there's restoration. There's That's going to take place, Absolutely. right? There's the forgiveness and, and all those things are, are going to happen and we're going to be able to move forward. And, you know, right. We see it in the headlines all the time, you know, world known leaders that have struggled with different things or, or, you know, fallen in, you know, immorally and things like that. It's like, yes, that happened, but God is a God of forgiveness. God is a God who's going to restore and, mm-hmm. and bring that person back into relationship with him yep. and, and, and he's gonna be able to move on. He may, she may, whoever may not be from leading from a stage anymore. But if that's if that's what we're striving to do, if that's who we're striving to be, then we're missing the mark. And and the how'd you say it last night? We were talking about like just uh being just a friend of God, right? Like just if if we were just simply known as a friend of God, like What place would that, how would life look like if we just lived like that all the time? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, this endless to-do list that we're on, you know, and constantly, okay, what am I doing for the kingdom? Like, what is my value in the kingdom? And we have a, a father that looks at us and says, I just want you to be a son. Like, let's just start there. We were talking about the passage, well done, my good and faithful servant, or depart from me for I never knew you. And it's like, when are we going to get it through our thick skulls that when we come to him, we say, hey, guess what? I was the director of Aim Right or, you know, I I led this serve ministry and brought hundreds of volunteers to come serve all these organizations. And he's just going to look at us and go, hey, bro, like, I just wanted to have a friendship with you. I wanted to have a relationship with you. And it's as we talk about, especially this next generation, like, I, I hate that because, what, what kind of wisdom am I passing on to others to say, Hey, this rat race that we're in, that's the life to live. Like, just mm. keep going, keep going, keep pushing. Um, you know, and it shouldn't lead to complacency or anything, but it's crazy, Jordan, cause I was thinking about it. Uh, I remember a pastor, this is a couple of years back, uh, of a church that I was attending. He had this whole series where he talked about moving from consumers to contributors and, you know, to contribute more. And you had talked about that, even with this younger generation, how they're very much, you know, like, Hey, what, what am I getting out of this? You know, that consumer methodology. And you wonder like, is that going to be a problem in the future? If there's a lot of that, because you have to have contributors, right? I mean, all the various aspects of ministry or does church have to change some things and say, Hey, we just can't have like, 13 greeters, you know, this week and we can't have all these people that are ushers. Like, does the church need to make changes or do you think these kids are going to step up, you know, and say, Hey, I'm here to, I'm not going to look at what I'm getting out of it. I'm going to look at ways that I can pour in.
1: Yeah. I think millennials are more guilty of being consumers than Gen Z. I actually think Gen Z is probably the most compassion slash justice oriented generation we've ever seen. They're tired of seeing people talk. Mm. Um, Me and John were having a conversation about this. John's one of the guys that rolls with me. Been homies for a long time. Mm. And uh, we were talking about, so Gen Z is like a prayerless generation. Like, they don't pray. Uh, We were like, well, why is that? Because we're not necessarily seeing that, like, I mean, I know there's data to suggest that a bunch of them are abandoning their faith. But there's still tons of kids that believe, right? And so it's like, okay, so why are they not praying as much? part of because I think they've seen so many people say thoughts and prayers and not ever do anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we've shown them that prayer is toothless, yeah. that it's almost an excuse. Prayer has almost become a sin for us because it's a way for us to just not do anything. And so I think they're actually uh, going to do stuff. The problem is they're going to blow stuff up <laughs> because they're tired of watching this nonsense. And so the question becomes, what are they going to put in its place? Like I said earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, yeah, I think the church, I don't know if it will look like what it looks like right now. I don't think, I think if it's, I think it will survive, obviously it's the church, right? But Mm -hmm. I think we're going to have to return to some of the foundational things that made us what we are. And I almost feel like this generation is going to force us to do that. Because I don't feel like they're super interested in the show per se. Um, And I think there are spaces where, that's happening but I also think that's happening because that's the norm like we assume if there's a youth group with thousands of kids in it that that's a good thing and it's like well not necessarily it might just be a big church where a bunch of kids were raised in that church and that's what they know to do the same way you know kids in my neighborhood run and hang out with each other and do scooters and stuff it's because that's what they know to do so it's cultural it's not at all spiritual and so we're actually doing them more of a disservice because they're being programmed to see church as cultural and not as Spiritual, and not that it's not both those things, right? But mm-hmm. more one than the other. And so, yeah, I think that's where wisdom, experience, us coming alongside of them, walking with them, mentoring them, caring for them, speaking into their lives, uh, sharing what we've learned, <laughs> and not sharing it in terms of this is what you do, but sharing it in terms of, hey, this is what I did, and this is what I think would be wise, make a decision. Because who doesn't want to make their own decisions? I know I do. Yeah. And so do teenagers. Yeah. So does everybody. People want to the ability to make their own choices. Now teenagers don't always want the responsibility that comes with making those choices, but they want the choices nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to teach them how to make good decisions, then we actually have to let them make them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah. Um,
0: so yeah. Hmm. It's cool. I like how you. I like how you referenced just like the church and, and how it looks different in context and how young people, their viewpoint of, of it is totally different. And, and me coming from the background that I did, like, you know, when I would have said, Hey, church is Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, like that's, that's church. Like anything outside of that is like Bible study or get together or something. And, mm-hmm. and obviously all the young people we're working with here at Amright are Gen Zers mm-hmm. and like for them, this is church like they tell their family hey I'm going to church tonight I'm coming to a place and it's a place where they're seen it's a place where they're heard it's a place where they they have a voice in the matter like mm-hmm. that's been uh huge on on our end of things is is shifting this because I did I' I've told, ever told you that told Stephen but back when I started like I'd preach for like 30 40 minutes on a Friday night and kids would sit there and sit through it. And I, but like years later, I'm like, why the heck was I doing that? Like that was total backwards. Right. And so we made this shift to where we, we go into small groups and we, we open up and we have this dialogue back and forth. And it's not just me or one of the others leading the entire time together. It's them having an opportunity to have a voice in the matter and ask questions. And man, you see the shift and you see things change Mm -hmm. and, man, I'm encouraged to to sit here today and, and hear all that you're saying and um, because I think, I don't think, I know this is what people need to hear. People need to know that there's guys like you that are here on the front lines that are putting in the the blood, sweat, and tears, right, to learn, to just never stop learning about this generation and how to reach them. And I mean, you've been huge in that and so um i'm encouraged as we just sit here and think about what what can come out of the work that you're doing here in our city and really nationally right because it it just doesn't end here in phoenix yeah i mean i appreciate that man and obviously that would be my prayer that we can
1: have some sort of widespread impact and i mean whether people know who i am or not doesn't really matter um What matters is, is, are we putting tools in the hands of people that actually is going to help them build deep, meaningful relationships with this next generation? And that's what success needs to look like. Um, Stephen, I was thinking about what you were saying earlier um, about churches and what they should do. And it kind of points to what you're saying as well right now. What is it that we can offer this generation in our church spaces? Because here's the reality. Can they meet Jesus somewhere else? Yeah. Can meet him in their bedroom, bathroom. They can meet him at the party that they're going to to get drunk. Yeah, They could meet him while having sex with their boyfriend or girlfriend. Let's just be real Mm -hmm. about it. Like God has the ability to intervene in anybody's life at any place, anytime for any reason that he deems so fit. So this idea that they've got to come to your building to get that is just pure nonsense. Um, Are they going to hear the best preaching? Probably not. Right. Right. We're not all the best communicators and even if you are one of the best communicators in the church space, chances are there's probably somebody on YouTube who can communicate better than you, who has better videos and graphics. And guess what? They can watch that in the comfort and privacy of their own room, own bed, own dinner table. So why on (laughs) earth are they going to travel to a building? And and anyways, if you're a a good communicator like that and you've got some sort of audience, chances are you're in the social space anyway. So I'm just going to go there. So there's still no reason for me to walk into your building in that regard. So I think the thing that has to draw them is the community, the communal aspect of it, the ability for them to actually interact with other human beings in a safe space, feel loved, feel cared for, and together with that group of people have a supernatural experience, right? Can't get that at home, but we're not creating that. We're still doing the come and see thing. We're still not creating space for these kids to ask questions and actually get answers, because they actually want answers. Like, they're not just going to take stuff to the bank because you said it. Like, they don't think about trust the same way that we do. We trust because people in positions of authority tell us that it's so. That's why we go to school. That's why we get degrees. That's why we do the things. They don't care about any of that. These kids are dropping out and getting GEDs because they're tied to high school. And we got parents still trying to get them to go to college. Your kid doesn't even want to finish high school. You know what I'm saying? Um, They think something's true because a bunch of people said it is. Likes, shares, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, The video that is the most compelling, the video that has the most views. And so if we're going to play in that world, we have to play by the same rules, which means communal, collaboration, uh, space for feedback and challenge. And this discovering of truth together instead of let me tell you what the truth is. And if you don't believe it, you're going to go to this place where you'll be on fire for forever. It's just not helpful. And I'm not, I'm not here yeah. to say that's not true. Yeah. Right. I'm just here to say if you actually want to reach them, talk to them in a way that they're going to understand and connect with because everything you're saying that may be extremely helpful and transformative for them and may actually save them a life of heartache and pain they're not hearing. And that's the sad thing about it. Mm-hmm. And it's because we're doing never disturb us. Remember, they're the kids. We're the adults.
0: Yeah. Wow. Good. You left Stephen speechless over I here. I don't know <laughs> what to say. Uh, it is good.
2: I mean, it, it's it's definitely something where when I mean, we have kids, so you're processing all these things, thinking this through, and you're just like, "Oh my goodness, am I too late? I have a 14 year old." Like, <laughs> yeah. But I think that's part of the problem, uh, especially with my generation, where it's just you want to fix everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I met my wife and. There was a few things, you know, rebellion, she was smoking, things like that. My first reaction was, ooh, I can be a great helpmate to her. I'm going to fix her. Like, I'm going to fix it, right? And that was half the attraction, I feel like, um, was just that. And it's just, I think we need to get better at listening, you know. And that's the problem. We don't have ears to hear. And these kids are, are spelling it out pretty clearly for us. And we're just we're missing it because we still want them to be like us. We want them to conform to us. But at the same time, we're seeing it on the news every single day and headlines. And we're like, we're really bad at this. Like we're messing up. Like we're not, uh, you know, thinking along lines that everyone is created equal, you know, and that there are people out there that are being treated horribly and we've been blind to it. We've been told to like literally look at it the other way our whole lives. And these kids are like, we're not going to stand for it anymore. And we're like, hey, that's a great thing, but follow our lead. Like, like we're still trying to lead. I just feel like we got to get out of the way <laughs> with yeah. what you're talking about, Jordan, because the insight that you're providing on this, the light that you're shedding on this, it's like, that's a way better way than it is the, the way we try to methodically go through this through different layers.
1: Yeah, we just got to be in relationship with a man. I yeah. mean... I think one of the easiest things to do, and I know you're not asking me for advice, but is just own it. Like, if you feel like you've been screwing up, tell your kid you've been screwing up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're not an uncompassionate generation. Remember, they're probably arguably one of the most compassionate generations we've ever seen in recent history, at least anyways. And so tell them you're messing up. Man, I just feel like I've been doing a bad job as your parent, I'm sorry. And I wanna do better. And I mm-hmm. want to know you for you. You know what I'm saying? I want to understand who you are and what you believe and what you think and what you feel and why. And that's the thing, right? We don't ask why enough. Yeah. Or how so. Why How so is a little bit better than why because it doesn't it feel as intrusive. Mm-hmm. But um, we're not trying to figure out what's going on in the inside of them that's making them even think what they think. We're just scared of their thoughts because we're scared that our kid's going to believe something that's completely counterintuitive or against what we believe which once again, communicates to us, we're a bad parents, So we put our head in the sand or yeah. we beat him into submission. Right. Um, hmm. And so, yeah, if we'll take that, in my opinion, the way of Jesus and enter in and be vulnerable, be present and be empathetic, I think right. we'll be all right. Yeah. And it's like, do we not trust God, the Holy spirit to work with us and journey with us as we're journeying with our kids. I, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I thought he was with us. I thought God was helping us. I thought God was in the midst of our family. But we're not behaving as if that's true. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I wow. think we can do it. I think we can. I think I think parents who, man, who are having difficult times, like if you're having a difficult time with your kid, man, like own it. Yeah. Enter into that world with them. Be vulnerable. There's something new that can happen. Obviously, the way that you're doing it right now is not working. Try something else. You know what I'm saying? Like enter mm-hmm. into it, be vulnerable, but it takes risk, right? You could get rejected. You could your kid could tell you they don't care. All those different types of things. All those things are possible, right? And so that's why we don't want to do it. But in order for us to have the relationship that we really want to have, then uh, we got to enter in and do that. And then if you want your kid to be that way, you've got to be the one that demonstrates what it means to be that way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we can't really expect them to be something that we're
0: not. It just doesn't make any sense. You no. know what I mean? Wow, so good, um, man. I think like just in our, our time here together this, this afternoon, uh, whether whether you're whether you're a parent, I think maybe that's even even more appropriately like if you are a parent or. Um, you know, maybe you're somebody who's wanting to get into to youth ministry or, or something like that. Like, I hope you listen to all of, of what was said today because I think Jordan said it well when um, young people, whether it's the youth you're going to be working with at a church or a ministry, a parachurch, wherever it may be, or, or your kids, they want the real, authentic you right and Mm -hmm. and i think so many times in in our christian lives like we just we we cry out to god we say god i just want you to show yourself to me show me the real you show me who you are show me what you're doing in my life and and it kind of correlates along in that relationship with our kids and our young people is they just want me to be dad mm-hmm. they just want me to be open and honest i don't have to walk into my door uh this evening and try to be somebody i'm not to my kids and feel like i i'm gonna be this great superhero right my son is six soon to be seven he just loves the simple fact that i come home i, I walked in the house this afternoon or yesterday he didn't see me see me ride into the driveway and he, he came around the corner. He's like, Oh dad, you're home. I was like, yeah, man, what's going on, dude. Like I'm here. And, and he was just like, there was this excitement, you know? And, and I think, man, when we approach our relationship with somebody, with young people, and this really goes to anybody, but Gen Z, they're the ones that are calling us out on it, right? They're the ones that are walking out the door and saying, I'm done. Big time. But I think
1: they're actually calling us back to real Christianity. Hmm. I got a friend who posted this on Facebook. He said, "We prayed for revival, and God gave us Gen Z." <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. yeah, they're making us return.
0: That gave me goosebumps. <laughs> and I think,
1: uh, I think too, to point to what you're pointing to, this inauthenticity we have with our kids. I think we have inauthenticity in our relationship with God. Like we're crying out to God, wondering why He's not responding. Maybe we're just not being honest. Hmm. Maybe we're actually not crying out to God. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 And so yeah. <laughs> we're really just fooling ourselves, which we're really good at, by the way, humans lying yeah. to ourselves. Huh. And then we make it about God not responding to us when it really it's about us being totally dishonest or using the scriptures to put a wedge between us and God and convince ourselves that God is something that he isn't or isn't something that he is or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and then weaponizing God in relationship with our kids, right? Well, God's not going to be pleased with that. And you know what I'm saying? It's like, all right, cool. (laughs) Well, you hate me and God hates me. Thanks. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And once again, I'm not here to say that things aren't wrong, Yeah. but how we, how we use God, how we treat God, how we interact with God, all of those things become important and they're watching, man. And they're watching more attentively than anybody in your in your life. They're hmm. watching more attentively than the kids in your youth ministry, you know what I'm saying, or the church that you run or the business that you work at, right, the school that you work at, whatever. Your, yeah. Your kids see it all. Yeah. And so I'm convinced we got to be people who, like, if I see a dude who's a pastor and he's a great communicator, whatever, everybody loves him, I don't care. You know what's the first thing I'm looking at? I'm looking at his wife's eyes in family pictures. Hmm. You know? Tells me a lot. I know what's really going on. I'm looking at whether his kids like him or not. Mm -hmm. I don't care how good of a communicator you are.
0: Do your kids hate you and does your wife hate you? Mm -hmm. That's good. Dude, you could start a side hustle. (laughs) You could like say, hey, Bro, send me your family picture. <laughs> Bro, I do it all the time. I'm not kidding. S- like, send I'll be me looking your family picture. T- I'll be looking at dudes,
1: <laughs> and I don't care about their face. I care about the face of their wife and their children because uh, that will tell you what's actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. They play the game. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They stand mm-hmm. in front of people every week and speak, yep. right? They might have been doing all types of foolishness the night before and then convince themselves. And you know what? I've done it. Man, I've got to do this for God's people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm God's conduit. I can't let my own sin get in the way of what God's trying to do in his people. And once again, what do we do? We use the scriptures to put a wedge between what we're doing wrong and what (laughs) God actually says, right? So we can go ahead and keep up this facade Uh of inauthenticity. And guess what? Our family sees it, they smell it, and it stinks. Hmm. Lose all respect for
0: you. Yep.
2: Yeah. Uh, Jordan. Okay. So. First of all, I'm like ready to listen to whatever you have going out there. I don't <laughs> know about Caleb, like truly. And uh, I know people are going to be listening to this. Like how can they either connect with you or what are you doing right now where they can listen more? Are you starting a podcast soon? Like huh. what's going on, man? He's so- got one. <laughs> yeah. So Do we've you? had
1: a podcast for a while. It's awesome. called the RLTK Podcast. a okay. real talk. So you can find that on any major podcasting platform. Our app, uh, RLTK.io. That's where our nonprofit drops a bunch of content that we create, conversation kits, different things of that nature, kind of focused around helping influencers, parents, pastors, teachers, coaches, have better conversations with young people and understand them more. And so we have different guys come in, like Caleb, you shot some videos mm-hmm. where just different influencers are coming in and sharing like their experiences and just trying to create helpful pieces of content that will help them engage. And then, uh, Recently, a new venture we started uh, in youth ministry was writing content and curriculum because mm-hmm. we felt like the things that we'd been learning, there was really a space in in that world for the type of writing that we had to offer. So we created something called Reframe, reframeyouth.com, and we just create content. And it's a for-profit. Youth pastors, leaders, whatever, can go in there and purchase it and use it how they want in their own youth ministry context or ministry context for that mass. So. So, yeah, that's what we're working on right now, man. So, we're enjoying it. We love it. We're excited about the future. I have a lot of hope for the future. I have a lot of hope for this next generation and what they're capable of. Um, Even though, you know, a lot of people
0: would probably disagree with me, but I'm okay with that. (laughs) I don't. Uh, So, Jordan, director, CEO, president, whatever you name it, of (laughs) whatever. I don't know. Real talk. Like, uh man if you're listening today like you got the real authentic Jordan. I've known you for for several years now and and I know every time that I sit or connect with you I'm getting the real you. We were joking earlier today before we started this podcast you were running your mouth man and oh, I was. you're like I'm just going to be real and and you were and and it was all good, all good and fun. But uh man um I hope you you listen today and you're encouraged um Jordan you've got so much going on I you know you're every time we talk you've you've got new ideas or you're sending out these uh, test things to to get other leaders involved and, and try new things and just ways to connect influencers with gen Z with youth with other people um, man tell us just here as we wrap up um, what do you do because I know I know the way your mind works and it's busy and it's always going. Somebody's sitting here today saying, man, this guy never stops. But but what do you do to like refuel and re-energize yourself?
1: Uh, for me, I play soccer. So growing up playing, I still love the sport. And so usually on my weekends, Saturday and Sunday, I usually play games. Um, and then it's kind of just check out, man, like no work, no responding to emails, phone calls, text messages, kind of just try and do my best to Sabbath. I don't always, I'm not always successful. There are times when I fail. The anxiety overwhelms me and I end up answering a text or a phone call or writing something down or whatever. Um, But yeah, I try and do my best to just kind of uh, give myself reprieve from that world. Um, It's not always easy. Sometimes I have to do it when my mind and body tell me they're ready to do it, which was kind of like today. I didn't get any work done today, which I'm okay with because I think I was just ready not to do any work today. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I'm kind of on this journey of just listening to my body, listening to my mind, listening to my spirit, my soul. What is it telling me? What is God telling me? You know what I'm saying? Um, how do I need to interact with myself today to best care for myself? Um, and then I'm trying to enjoy my family more, like enjoy my kids more. You know what I'm saying? My life is way more about them now, or at least it should be. Mm -hmm. So spending time playing. Doing the simple things, just being present, being with them, talking to them, seeing what was going on in their world today. You know what I'm saying? Um, trying to be incarnational, I guess. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, yeah, find a lot of uh, relief, reprieve, um, peace
0: there. Good. Yeah. It's good. It's awesome. Well, Jordan, I appreciate you joining us today and and hanging with us here for um, a little bit here. It was a rocky start. We didn't even think we was going to get this thing recorded, but we got her done. So, um, but uh, Jordan, we always wrap up with a word of prayer. Uh, So, Stephen, just uh, close us out, man. Yeah.
2: Father, just thank you, Lord. Thank you for mighty men of God uh, like Jordan, Lord, and just... um, the impact that he's having on a generation that most of us lord have just throw our hands in the air sometimes lord and just like what to do father and i am just thankful that he is a man that listens lord that that works so hard to understand the hearts of others lord whether they're young or not lord and um i just pray blessings on his life lord continue some of these Uh, amazing visions that he has for the future, Lord, and the conceptual nature that he has. Father, I pray that you would just embolden that, Lord, that you would ride with that. And um, Lord, that it, it would be something you can just tell with a guy like Jordan, Lord, that he is walking in your will, Lord, and I just pray blessings upon that, Lord. We also pray for everybody that's listening, Lord, whether they're a pastor of a church or or there's someone who right now is, is even struggling with Christianity or or this walk, Lord, I pray that it would be edifying to them, encouraging, Lord, and that it would give us all hope, Lord, in the future. I am so overjoyed, Lord, and just knowing that it's going to be okay, Lord. And um, we just love you and praise you and thank you for all that you do in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Jordan. Well, thanks for joining us on today's episode of Urban Connect Podcast. Um, If you like today's episode, make sure to subscribe, like, and share with your friends, family. We'll catch you next time.